0: Sarah here and welcome to Served With Love, a podcast with a mission to elevate and celebrate depth through conversations, theme chats, Q&As and more. I'm keen to give your depth and my depth a powerful platform to jam all in the service of love. Thank you for being here today and thank you for being served with love. Beautiful Rachel Williamson is our guest today on Served With Love and Rachel completed a degree in social work after holding a desire to support others from an early age. Rachel has over 20 years experience providing counselling in a diverse range of settings and issues including eating disorders, child and adolescent mental health, parenting support, cardiac rehabilitation, alcohol and drugs. And as a result, Rachel has a vast understanding of mental health conditions, trauma responses, and is experienced in a wide range of therapies to support people in moving towards health, wellness, and reconnecting with self. Rachel holds a strong interest in energy medicine and believes this is a powerful way to support people to heal and reconnect to their own divine wisdom, medicine, and gifts, So after a deep plunge into learning about her own energy and a journey of learning to trust and tune into her wisdom, Rachel completed her Certificate for in Energy Kinesiology, igniting a new passion in holding space for clients to tune into the power that resides from meeting their whole self with acceptance and compassion. And Rachel says, because after all, from this space, beautiful healing and expansion occurs, Rachel, I just can't not continue without acknowledging that last sentence around allowing people to meet their whole self with acceptance and compassion. Those two words feel really powerful. Welcome, firstly, but why those
1: two words? Tell me more. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, I think they are really powerful. I think on on my path and on my journey uh, they they are two really powerful concepts that I have discovered and worked with the most and really guiding people to that that space within that holds compassion for self and understanding everything that we've walked through in our lives, um, you know, is a really sacred thing to do. Mm.
0: And it sounds like you've experienced those two words as your own anchor as well with others
1: too. Absolutely. Probably the biggest movement came after that discovery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's powerful. And this whole combination of your work, Rachel, the counselling and the kinesiology, that's a cool mix and hugely uh, appropriate for clients. Like that mix would be super potent and powerful. What was the journey to bring those two together? Because you've had 20 years as a counsellor in various kind of iterations. Tell me about that journey, that process of bringing the energy medicine side into things. Why kinesiology?
1: Why kinesiology? Well, that was a journey in itself. Um, The counselling journey began uh, because of my early life experiences and really being guided to see the power that uh, support brings when people are stepping through really difficult journeys. And, you know, working within health services and education is really about working with people who are are very much still walking their trauma and in survival mode. So there's there's a lot of great learning that came through that for me. And I think that as I evolved and became uh, more myself in the work, I realised that there's there's something deeper. And, you know, we can talk about what's happening on a conscious level, but it always stays in the conscious. And I guess my intuition was telling me that, you know, when I'm talking to people uh, on that conscious level, Sometimes we say what we want other people to hear, if that makes mm, sense.
0: Totally. <laughs>
1: uh, and so there was always something missing there were you know, I needed a tool to help people access what maybe they weren't consciously aware of because when we bring that to light and when we develop a relationship with that, we're able to to grow from that place.
0: Yeah, that's quite profound. And was there anything about moving into energy medicine specifically or kinesiology that that
1: made sense to be the bridge
0: for that input into the subconscious for your clients?
1: I think kinesiology just was like coming home for me. And I had used it myself, um, but it wasn't actually until I studied it that I realised it is um <laughs> yeah <you know, laughs> we you know as humans we can get stuck in our own kind of survival patterns um, and reach out only when we you know we're in that state of crisis um and I certainly did that a lot on my journey um and we're going to be talking about worth and that's you know that's I felt about myself you know I don't want to burden anybody Mm -hmm. else I'll only reach out when I'm in absolute crisis but when I started studying kinesiology and receiving these balances on a on a really regular basis I realized how much more can be worked through when we're not in survival state
0: (laughs) yeah I love that that's, um, yeah, they can totally. I think a lot of us can relate to exactly what you've just said there the capacity to put ourselves in a place of regular support versus when we get to crisis point. Yeah, that's so, so important. Yes, today's topic is worth, which is super exciting. And, you know, the nature of this podcast is for each guest to pull a crayon out of the pencil box, so to speak. That's the analogy I see on uh, a topic that has really underscored their life and that has given them all of these opportunities to to gather wisdom through experiences and challenges and you're pulling out the Worth crayon today. And I know that many of us can look into our pencil box and see the Worth crayon. I think all of us have probably the Worth crayon in there. So I'm really excited for this conversation and being a practitioner like you, um, I love being able to have that full range of pencil colours in my box because that means that I can relate to others on whatever they're presenting with. So I'm excited to look at this one pencil crayon on colour of worth today. So I guess, Rachel, when did you discover that worth was such a big theme in your life? Why has it been something that you've wrestled with?
1: Yes. Uh, I think worth is connected to fear for me and I'm really aware of uh, stepping through uh, early childhood and adolescence with a lot of fear in my life. Probably some of that came into this life with me, but I also had uh, quite a lot of challenging experiences early on. Um, I lost, you know, my maternal grandparents really early. Um, at the age of 11, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and given two years to live, and so mm-hmm. our family stepped through um, some really significant um work and healing. My mum is still with us today, so she did an amazing job of wow. walking through that journey. Um, and my, my youngest sister was born with a disability. Um, so a lot, a lot of challenges in the first, you know, 12 to 13 years of life, and then uh, my adolescent years were really uh, stepping through my parents' challenge with infidelity and, you know, working through being together and separating and all of the impact that that has on uh, young people. Mm-hmm. So probably from about 16, I really stepped into being a parent um, because of a lot of the pain that the family was stepping through. Mm-hmm. You know, as humans, we're wired negatively and that often shows up the strongest in adolescence. I think it's part of our neural pathways pruning themselves and, um, you know, working out where we fit in the world. And I, I really had a very poor relationship with myself. Um, part of that was because I was putting everybody else's needs first Um, and, yeah, hadn't really been able to be in a place where um, I felt like I could receive, Um, you know, everybody else's problems were bigger than mine and they had greater needs. And so (laughs) work definitely became a major theme within my life. And it probably wasn't until I became a mum myself that I started to uh, find the information that I needed about being able to step out of my head and out of space and into the present moment. You know, Uh, So I read a book called Buddhism for Mothers, um, (laughs) and that kind of got me on this path of learning about mindfulness and being present, um, but also uh, being able to accept ourselves for who we are. And um, yeah, that that really started my journey. and, And as a professional, so I was a social worker by that time, and kind of exploring different therapies and acceptance and commitment therapy was uh, probably the the next big guide in my life. Um, once I discovered uh, that particular um, I'd call it kind of like a life philosophy, mm. um, it it really started to change things for me and change the way that I functioned in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. and have you found that the wrestle with worth has been an up and down roller coaster experience it's not something that you've ever conquered the summit of has it been something that will come in and out as you move through different experiences is it a friend or a foe
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely but it's something that I can recognize now and Mm -hmm. excuse me I think we all have that part of ourselves that that doubts you know Because our brain is wired that way, um, we are great problem solvers. We're great at uh, looking for the worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. And when we understand that that's the way that we're programmed, we are better able to observe it and see it, Mm. disconnect from it, and send it love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um yeah, which comes so it comes back to
0: your acceptance and compassions you know st- anchors yeah. which is powerful yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely so it's it's definitely a still still a journey it still pops up um and you know it's it's all about lessons and learning for me mm. and we'll look
0: under the bonnet in a minute to have a look at how the lessons and the wounds and the samskaras play out you talked about your parents in some of your story that contributed to your patterns of worthiness. I've seen often in my clinical experience that worth shows up as coming from a previous generation, like a lot of people that show up with worth as a core wound, they've they've been born with it, so to speak. So it's either come mm-hmm. in from the generation above and different aspects like that. Can, is that evident in your experience or have you seen that in your clinical experience that worth can run quite deep in the family lineage
1: yeah absolutely you know we talk about generational traumas and i i um see it within my own family but also within people that i work with and i think it's really important to acknowledge uh, how that's stored in our energy body, even in our DNA. Um, so my on on my maternal side my mum grew up having to keep the secret of her parents' separation Mm. um, and not being able to talk about her greatest wound and feeling so much shame about that. Mm -hmm. Well, we can put that back to my grandmother as well and the shame that she was feeling around that separation. So, um, you know, that's just one small example of how, um, how that shame and worthiness can play out through the generations. And
0: if that is something that people listening are recognising that that pattern of unworthiness can come through generations, what's been the benefit of knowing that? Like, you know, obviously it orients you towards a journey of change and shifting and, and healing has that ever been something that's felt like heavy baggage for you knowing that it's come from that maternal lineage or has that been something that's helped point you in the direction of, of growth and healing for your for your children?
1: You know, I think there's been times of both mm-hmm. and I think it's been part of my growth and evolution to, and probably everybody's, to learn the gift mm-hmm. of of the experience. And I think, in our early healing stages, it's it's really hard to see those things as a gift. We, um, we're, you know, we still have ties to the struggle of it mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are still bound by the wounds, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's in the unwinding or the acknowledging or the um, learning to send love to that experience that the gift truly comes through. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I can look back on all of my childhood experiences that I once may have judged and really, really feel thankful for them now. That's been years, (laughs) years (laughs) of work. (laughs) Um, But what a beautiful place to land. Oh, so good. It's Mm. worth it. Yeah it's worth absolutely
0: it. <laughs> absolutely yeah um what i love about this moment that i'm feeling that we're going to lean into now is going to bring all of our conversation together starting with that idea of when you explained what led you from moving beyond social work and counselling into more of the energy medicine side based on the fact that the conscious experience was limited in its ability to get you so far and you knew that there was more stuff going on. Some of the things you've spoken to in your uh, expression of worth, which have been really potent and powerful, and I'm just so glad that this we're having this conversation, by the way. Um, you know can point to this awareness that that you as an energy medicine practitioner have a deeper understanding of how these wounds play out in the energy body beyond the consciousness and that's kind of where i want to go now because we both nerd out on this stuff and i find it mm-hmm. fascinating we've we've talked about the worthiness theme and the concepts where it's played out for you on the conscious level i'm keen to look deeper into the recesses of this wound from more of that energetic side of things are you keen to to chat about that too
1: Let's go there. Let's
0: do it. Um, and I guess a lot of this is coming from, and, and what I'll point it to for those of you who interested, is is we'll, we'll point it to the celestial chakras, which are the out-of-body chakras. Chakras 8 to 12 is what we're going to look at. Um, and, you know, thanks again to Hugo Tabar and his work on really unpacking this in our ability to understand this as kinesiologists. but we think about um, our samskaras, which is our original imperfection that we come into this life with. And that hits the energy body at around chakra 11. And today with Rachel, we've been talking about that samskara being around unworthiness, that there's wounds and scars and imperfections in Rachel's field that are bump up against unworthiness in this experience in human form. And then we kind of drop into a belief system around that which is more playing out in chakra 10 and this eventually creates the ripple in the ocean if you want to have an analogy of what that would look like so we've come in from a beautiful flat ocean the samskara of unworthiness creates the ripple in the emotion this belief really brings rise to that so i guess rachel in your experience what has been the belief systems that have been birthed out of this wound of unworthiness? Like, what have you been dancing with? Well,
1: oh, absolutely. The belief of not being good enough, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. which, which I think every human right. <laughs> dances with. Right. Um, you know, and um, that ripples out to relationships, uh, doubting whether you're good enough for that relationship, questioning um, the things that you do and say in relationships. All of that's so, so energy draining, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, worth and uh, fear of failure and all of those, I I really feel like you could write a list of, you know, the the 10 most common fears that humans experience and I will have been there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we're practitioners. We can help others not fall into the trap of that mess or at least help them out. So the belief that you dance with was really strongly around the I'm not good enough and you mentioned a couple of others there which created the ripple in the ocean. From that, our gorgeous adaptive survival self, and you pointed to this previously in the conversation, creates pattern of behaviour. To use the Mm. analogy of the ocean, that's the wave. So it becomes a really big wave. And the pattern of behaviour is chakra 10. It's usually what we overdo or underdo and compensate to hide and mask our beliefs and our samskara. What's your pattern of behaviour been like in this process of dealing with that I'm not enough feeling? How have you masked that? What does that look like for you?
1: Definitely the overgiving, um, you know, pleasing everyone else and um, making sure that everybody else's needs are met. Uh, Yeah, and um, probably in terms of even choosing the work that I (laughs) Ended up in in terms of counselling. Yeah. Yeah. you know, it is about putting other people's needs first in that moment. True. Um, and that's the gift of moving into kinesiology because it has a whole different slant. So mm. I um I get to step away from all those kind of archetypal behaviours now and learn new ways. Um, but yeah, definitely putting everybody else's needs first for mm. sure. That's been the biggest uh compensatory behavior
0: Mm. Mm, wow and then then we need to look at the crash on the beach the wave crashing on the beach the consequence of that people pleasing the consequence of putting others first which is that real chakra nine karmic kind of concept Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: what's been the what's been the cost to rachel for playing out Mm -hmm. that that compensatory behavior to hide the not enoughness the (laughs) unworthiness like (laughs) we're kind of crashing on the beach now what's that look
1: like the crash, well, my needs for sure. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but my life has, um, you know, I've had a lot of pain in my life mm. in terms of body pain, chronic pain, um, health crisis, crises, all of those kind of things. So, um, when when I haven't been meeting my needs, and when I've been putting everybody else's needs first, there's definitely a consequence in terms of um, the body. You know, the body holds the wisdom, and that's why I love kinesiology because it's an expression of allowing the body to communicate what's happening for us in our worlds and. Uh, on all levels, psychology, um, energetics, and our physical body. Mm. And you know, sometimes the body, when we're when we're living these fears and we're we're not walking through them, the body has to scream at us. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> 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 That's something Help. that you need to look at. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had many years of uh, chronic back pain. Um, and even a few years ago um, had uh, a big kind of allergy response in my body that came out of nowhere um, so that, yeah, they, they would be the things that stand out most in terms of reflecting on uh, that journey of learning to honour my needs and mm-hmm. honour uh, the space that I take up in the world.
0: Wow, powerful. And and we're talking about the deeper aspects to this worthiness wound and for people playing along at home if you want to unpack that yourself you know that that looking at the original wounding what the belief is that creates the ripple in the ocean the pattern of behavior that creates the wave what you're compensating with how does how are you overdoing or underdoing, and then the crash on the beach of the consequence of that and Rachel powerfully spoke of pain really emanating from her body to say come home you know bring us home there's nothing like pain to to wake us up but we we push it we suppress it we you know, go go find solutions for it we, when it really is a messenger, as you say, and I think that's a powerful thing to to recognize that it's often the smoke the smoke detector really ringing loudly to get our attention. We heal in the body, we feel in the body. Sometimes pain is the only thing that will bring us back into our body, but most of us will do the opposite and disassociate from that pain or have distractions from that pain. And you know, our bodies are so complex, but so bloody incredibly designed and just honour the way they try to keep us in check all the time. Mm -hmm. The final aspect of really looking at this on a deeper level, and I'm so appreciative of you sharing your your personal experience with unpacking this, Rachel, but we get stuck in that loop that you've just described. You know, if we didn't see a benefit in it, we wouldn't be doing it. We wouldn't be running that I'm not enough pattern. We wouldn't be having the people-pleasing patterns. We wouldn't be having the pain patterns. What do you think the payoff is? Like why is it attractive for you to run that unworthiness, not enough, people-pleasing pattern? Like what is the benefit to you? Why aren't you letting this go or why haven't you let this go in the past? What do you think the payoff is? What's attractive about that?
1: What's <laughs> oh, attractive? When you, in hindsight, not very much, but <laughs> no, that's right. right. We do repeat the patterns and, um, gee, I think worthiness, and I've talked about how worth is related to fears and fear of failure. And um, when we don't believe in our worth, uh, we often come from a space of not believing that we can have everything that we desire or the success um, that you know, is innately ours just by being human on this world, on on this planet. Mm. Um, And so, you know, that fear really holds us in that space of um, continuing where we are. Mm. And so, you know, if I'm here, I don't have to risk being anywhere else and not or, or facing you know, potentially not being as successful as, as my heart desires. Um, Yeah.
0: Wow. So the stuckness keeps you safe that the stuckness in this loop of unworthiness keeps you safe. Yes. And your nervous system is compassionately with compassion, choosing that to be the safer option than Mm
1: -hmm.
0: moving in the direction of your desires and your dreams
1: yeah because mm. even if what we know is not pleasant it's still what we know no. and mm-hmm. and so there yeah there's definitely a safety and a comfort within that mm-hmm. um that plays out those those behaviors and those payoffs and has that payoff
0: mm. and i love that mm. that familiarity really being what i call um being protected by the bodyguard employed by the mind whose strategy mm. is fear as you were saying you know that the bodyguard employed by the mind will use fear as the strategy will keep you in the familiar position whereas when we are in our true expression we don't need a bodyguard we don't need anything to keep us safe because our truth is ultimately what illuminates us into that that protected space that's not even a construct mm. so it's really interesting to see the payoff and it's always going to be an element of the mind versus coming back home into the body and feeling really safe with all that is yeah that's, yeah. that's cool.
1: Mm. you okay. know it links into our conditioning and you know uh, i think as a society we are conditioned to seek externally seek the solutions externally seek mm-hmm you know, other people's input rather than coming home and really finding safety within ourselves and trusting the wisdom that comes from our intuition, from our heart, from Mm. our body. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, well said. Well said. It was interesting last week in clinic, I don't know, it was because we're in that eclipse sandwich kind of, place last week but I had a number of clients speak to this I'm enough concept or where they wanting to move to and I was sitting with them with it and one of, one of the clients had this profound we had this profound realization with her that the I am enough can only be judged from the lens of your truth because if you were trying to find your enoughness from the perspective of the mind like what you were just saying we're mm-hmm. never going to we're never going to find that that truth you're never going to mm-hmm. find your enoughness if you're in that bodyguard employed by the mind fear strategy place and so it's this really tricky dilemma it's like well am i enough am i but it's something that's not going to ever be derived from the mind's perspective you'll never cross that finishing line the i am enough can only be a measure of what you were just saying when you're in your body when you're connected into that truth that knowing that intuition but when you are in that space the construct of being enough or not enough doesn't even exist so it's this paradoxical dilemma that doesn't even make any sense so there's power in claiming that affirmation of "I am enough," but it really is a, is a deeper experience that cannot be put into words because it doesn't have the, it doesn't need to be objectified by the mind. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting as it came up so often last week with clients around this "I am enough" statement. It's not about saying it enough times or believing in that concept. The enough wound that you are healing is in the felt experience and the knowing inwardly. And I, I'm sure that you can start relating as you're coming home to that. It is beyond any mental construct, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The mind places so many conditions on worth, um, which is exactly what you were saying. And so dropping into, for me, it's really the body and the heart space and listening to uh first of all, the silence there (laughs) Mm. Um, because it operates in a completely different way. When you can be present in that space, there's an incredible peace um, that comes through firstly and then the compassion will step in. So it's really about being present with exactly where you are in the moment Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah, the mind has no place there (laughs) Mm, that's a beautiful
0: practice that is a beautiful Mm. practice for all of us to consider the stepping into that now more fully and labeling what is there just tolerating the void with compassion it will it will rise from there won't it as you said that compassion is there you'll meet it there you'll find it there wow what a gift for us to to sit with rachel is there
1: sorry go ahead I was going to say the journey. You know, it, it's not as easy in the beginning. I think we have to acknowledge our monkey minds and, you know, the dance that we'll play in in um, recognizing that the mind will want to pull us out of that space. Mm. And you know, when we can observe that and and send it some compassion, understand why it's doing that, and coming back to the the focus that we're choosing for ourselves, it becomes easier over time and you you know you will get a greater depth through those practices, and so, for anyone who's just starting out, be kind and have <laughs> patience <laughs> um, and just be aware that that it is a dance, and mm. um you are worth that dance. Amazing advice mm.
0: This has been such an incredible conversation. I've absolutely loved it, and I'm sure. Everyone listening is adoring it as well. Rachel, is there anything else you want to speak to around this theme of worth? Anything else on your mind that you want to share? Any nuggets of wisdom? Any other practices to leave us with? Uh,
1: I think, you know, at the end of all of my kinesiology balances, I really um, (laughs) bring people back into a space of being connected to where they are in the present moment um, and seeing the gifts of the balance. So you know whatever it is that you might be stepping through if if you can find that small nugget, you know, really feel it landing in your body and imagine it entering every single cell, you know if you're working with, uh, acceptance feel the vibration of acceptance in your body if you're working with compassion then allow the frequency of compassion to enter each of your cells doing that as a practice allows you to be fully embodied in that frequency that you're working mm-hmm. with um, and yeah I think uh, along with my advice on being patient and kind yeah <laughs> Val be kind Patience, of the next step,
0: <laughs> kindness and the embodiment of the vibration within the cells, which moves it yeah. beyond the concept of the yeah. mind and into a yeah. feeling sense in the body, which is a powerful thing. That means we're creating receptors or little garages, as I call them, for the the, the feeling to be parked in once we come across it. So that's um that's beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. wisdom. Thank you, Rachel. I have one more question that I want to ask you, which is the question that I ask all of the guests, and it is along the lines of, an answer it in your own way, but this is just the pointer. What part of you did you once disown that you now embrace or what experience or behaviour or, you know, what, has been, what was once something that really uh, you disowned that you now happily own and acknowledge?
1: Yeah, that's a doozy of a question and um, could have multiple answers. But you know what comes to my mind the the loudest is really acknowledging that for so many years I disowned myself. Mm, Massive. Yeah. (laughs) And really coming home into being uh my true self and trusting my true self stepping out of the doubt stepping out of the fears um you know there was a lot of healing that needed to be done in order to do that but what a gift now to Mm. be able to uh sit in my whole energy my whole self my whole being and uh feel like i'm home
0: wow I can feel that, and maybe some of the listeners can too. That my heart chakra just activated. And having known you for a number of years and being uh, a witness to what you've just expressed, that coming home, I can feel mm-hmm. it as such a powerful truth, a real embodied truth. It's in your cells, <laughs> as you were just describing. And that coming home where you're sitting in that truth in that whole self allows your whole self to meet my whole self and that's why I'm having that vibration in my heart and that's just the most beautiful way that we can connect with others from that place of truth to truth, heart to heart and um, I really appreciate the the gift of you coming home because I get to meet you there too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder if others are feeling that connection with you as well. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Amazing. Um, Rachel, you are full of wisdom and magic and your, the personal journey you've walked is so beneficial to your role now as a kinesiology practitioner. I would love people to know more about you and your work and how they can work with you. I know you're based on the Central Coast, but you do online work as well. So tell us more about where we can find more about you, how we can work with you, whatever you want to tell us.
1: Yeah so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook uh, abundant heart kinesiology and my website www.abundantheartkinesiology.com um working on the central coast so i've got a home clinic at mardi which is kind of up the northern end and a visiting practitioner at a beautiful space in Kingcumber, but also online. So wherever you are in Australia or the world, if um, if my way of working calls to you, then reach out. Um, and yeah, love to be in that beautiful heart space with you she is all
0: heart this incredible <laughs> woman and you know i love you so 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 much and it's been a most incredible chat today in sharing your your journey through worth and i've so appreciated you opening up and and just weaving in the philosophy and the wisdom as well it's just been such a beautiful mix so appreciate our chat
1: thank you so very much for having me
0: welcome mm-hmm.